0: Mobile business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet, Stocks are at records. Let's head right over to the first word breaking news desk for today's afternoon call. Here he is, Bill Maloney.
1: And good afternoon, Charlie. Main U.S. averages are trading higher for a sixth day with the Dow currently higher by 78 points. s and gain 12. And the Nasdaq climbs, 49. The small cap 600 is little change. And the U.S. 10 yield at 2.25%. Nine of the main eleven and S&P sectors are trading higher, led by gains in consumer discretionary, technology, and consumer staples. Materials and energy led to the downside. Nasdaq biotech is underperformed, fall three. Transport's jump 110 points. Semis rise seven, and the VIX is down by 1.6%. Leaders to the upside in the Dow are UnitedHealth, Microsoft, and Travelers, while Chevron and GE led to the downside. After earnings, Best Buy soared as much as 23%, that's most since 2002, while Sears jumped as much as 33% after its results. In other news, GM fell as much as 3.9% today after being accused of using VW-like defeat devices in some of its trucks. GM says those claims are baseless, while Amazon hit $999 a share. Finally, Costco, GameStop, and Ulta Beauty all report after the bell. Live from the First breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Charlie?
0: All righty. Thank you very much, Bill Maloney. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type, S-Q-U-A-W-K on your terminal. I'm
2: Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio.
3: Golden years, retirement, uh, the way we think about it the way we plan for it. Some things have changed, some have not. Ann Lester is Portfolio Manager and Head of Retirement Solutions at J.P. Morgan Asset Management, on-site at the Defined Contribution Advisor Summit here at J.P. Morgan uh, World Headquarters. And nice to have you here on Bloomberg Radio with Corey and myself. Welcome back, actually. Thank you so much for having me. How do you guys approach retirement in an event like this today?
4: Well, that's a that's a big question. Yes, it is. Um, and we just had a day and a half uh, of a very robust agenda. But the way I like to think about approaching problem solving uh, as a portfolio manager, but also in my role as head of retirement solutions is to make sure we're defining the problem. So retirement is a big open-ended question if you're saving for it. How do I make sure I don't run out of money before I die is the big question. Right. Um, that's a little too big to try to figure out. So then you have to take it back a step and say, how long might I live in retirement? What might happen to me? How do I want to plan? And how much risk do I want to take that? And, and then risk is a complicated thing, right? Is risk not saving enough? Is risk not getting enough returns? Or is risk what the market's going to do? And actually, there, the answer is yes to all of I the above. It's all of it, right? But in our view, if you think about those things separately, you're, you're more likely to come up with a good plan.
2: How has um, the way people change, save for retirement changed over the last few years?
4: Well, I think, you know, the, the biggest change that's happened in the last few years for workers who work for an employer who has a four hundred one K plan, um, is the advent of auto enrollment. And yeah. there was some legislation passed a decade ago, the Pension Protection Act, that that made it easier and, and more comfortable, I guess, for plan sponsors to automatically put people into plans. Um what's now starting to take root and this was a, a, a really great um Outcome, I think, that I just saw happen. I asked advisors to stand up and sit down based on what they were doing in, as they advised the plans they work with. And, and one of the things that came out was that it seems like plan sponsors are getting more comfortable automatically escalating how much people save. So you get signed up mm. at a certain rate. The risk is that you stay there for the rest of your life, and if you're saving 3 or 6%, that's, that's not going to be enough. So right. some employers are now getting more comfortable with saying, look, every year we're going to increase that by 1%. So people are now getting up to 8%, 10 12%, and then then you're really in the zone. I love this research that you did, and it's entitled No One is Average.
3: And I was reading through. I was a little stressed out as I read through <laughs> because there are so many different variables that, you know, we're not all alike. We will not all be alike in our retirement. Right. But um, this whole idea, this
4: concept of no one is average, explain that for our listeners. Well, I think, you know, when you're trying to understand what the future holds, you really don't, you don't know. And so you have to start somewhere, And and I think a very easy convenient and comfortable place to start is this well what happens to other people right and so you say well I'll just I'll I'll assume I'm going to be like other people so life expectancy is a great one right I must assume average life expectancy for a 65 year old woman today is is 86 I'm going to assume I'll live to be 86 well that's half of the people will live to be 86 or younger and half of the people will live to be 86 or or older, So actually, you could be really off on that assumption. And in mm-hmm. fact, um, one of the things we commented on in the paper is the chances that you will die at the age of 86 is only 8%. Only 1 in 12 women will actually live to be that Which age. Which is so, great
3: on one hand. <laughs> w- but
4: if you're planning on right. that, that's a dangerous assumption. Right. So, so to me, the real takeaway is you have to look at that average, but you also have to understand how different people are. How far off from the average are they? Where are the, the edges, right. as we talk about in the paper?
3: And it sounds to me like don't plan
4: for the average, don't plan for the minimum, but maybe plan for more. And then that gets into a really interesting lifestyle question because, of course, saving for retirement, and, and if you think about what's changed, back to your question, you, know, you can think about it as, as saving is as really buying future leisure. Mm -hmm. And how much of your discretionary spending today are you willing to give up so that you can have that tomorrow? And that's, of course, really hard for most people to do. I don't want to eat it. You know, it's, can I I not eat the marshmallow in front of me and (laughs) wait 15 minutes and get two, right? So... That that deferment of consumption is really the big question, and you know I would argue that planning for the worst case scenario, right, might be actually not gonna not not gonna make you happy in your life, right? So so that's a really personal decision, right? Yeah. Do I want to save twenty five percent of my income and be certain that I can live to be a hundred and five, have twenty years in long term care? Eh, that that may be a little aggressive. Yeah.
2: Uh, it, it's interesting, too, because we've got this sort of this long stretch of pretty low rates right now, which makes it even harder for uh, planning for retirement. And and, and and the long-term sort of compounding that people might have counted on hasn't really been available to them uh, the last few years.
4: Yeah, and then that's something we highlight in our paper, the difference in in how much you need to save when you – expect what we expect over the next decade from our long-term capital market assumptions uh, which is sort of five to six percent maybe maybe six and a half seven percent if you've got some active management and some good 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 things going on in your portfolio you need to save more and you need to save uh, we think in the order of 10 to fifteen percent to make sure you're going to have a comfortable retirement if you do what a lot of people do and they assume a higher rate of return and surveys would indicate a lot of Americans still think a ten percent return is is going to happen you only need a 2 or 3% savings rate, right? That's a huge difference.
3: Right. It's a big difference. We're going to continue this conversation. We're here with Ann Lester, Portfolio Manager, Head of Retirement Solutions at J.P. Morgan Asset Management at J.P. Morgan Headquarters here in New York City on site for the Defined Contributions Advisors Summit. All right. You are listening to Bloomberg Radio. Carol Master, Corey Johnson. Check on the markets in just a moment.
0: Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 99.1, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Markets.
2: With the need Bloomberg Markets. Corey Johnson here in San Francisco at our AM 960 studios over the San Francisco Bay. And Carol Masser is in Midtown yeah. Manhattan, yes, but in a special place.
3: I am. I'm at J.P. Morgan headquarters in New York City, talking with Ann Lester, Portfolio Manager, Head of Retirement Solutions at J.P. Morgan Asset Management. We're going to talk a little bit more about thinking through your retirement and uh, what you kind of need to do to have a successful retirement financially. Let's get uh, back to the markets, though, and your top business stories. Here is once again Charlie Pellet. All right. I
0: thank you very much, Carol Messer. We have got the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, all advancing S&P, NASDAQ, both at records. 28 minutes to go ahead of the closing bell on this Thursday. Stocks rising to records as retailer results boost confidence in the American consumer's ability to jumpstart economic growth, Best Buy, for example, surging 21.8%. Oil, though, sinking from a five-week high after OPEC extended plans to limit production without deepening the cuts. West Texas Intermediate crude oil trading lower now by 5.3%, down at 48.63 a barrel. Brent down 5.1% at 51.20. So, what will it take for oil to push? higher naeem aslam is chief market analyst for tf global markets uk limited he spoke this morning with bloomberg television we need opec and the u.s shale oil to come together on the table and have a strategy in order to curb the supply that would only address the problem in order for us to go beyond 60 dollar for crude we need to have a cohesive front and that can only be done when both parties are on the table Staples has rejected a takeover offer from Cerberus Capital Management as too low, leaving Sycamore Partners in the running to acquire the office supplies retailer. This according to people familiar with the matter. Shares of Staples, they're up now by 3.1%. Recapping equities higher, S&P up 11 at a record 2415 up 5 tenths of 1%, gold up 260, the ounce up 2 tenths of 1%. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash.
3: All right, Charlie Pellet, thank you so much. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets. Carol Masser, live at uh, J.P. Morgan headquarters in New York City. Corey Johnson in our Bloomberg 960 studio in San Francisco. With me, though, here at J.P. Morgan. Ann Lester, Portfolio Manager, Head of Retirement Solutions at J.P. Morgan Asset Management. And we're on site uh, at the Defined Contribution Advisor Summit, which is, what, about the last day or so? Yeah. Yep, it's your fifth year of doing this. Um, I'm just curious, what's changed in the last five years?
4: Oh, now that's a great question. I think... We have gotten better at, uh, well, I'd like to think we've gotten better at listening to our clients. I think, you know, we have really tried to um, make sure that, that what we are giving them is interesting from a technical perspective, but yeah. also help them in their practices a little bit more. So we had some sessions on them as business people as well as, as sort of, you know, talking about the markets, talking about our outlook, talking about our strategies. But, but also, you know, we've really uh, taken more information about personal financial planning to them. And so this mm. paper that we're talking about right now is in fact released at the conference is, is really taking, you know, what we know as, as people who work a lot with individual financial advisors with individuals and saying, how can we help people in the defined contribution space leverage right. that information? So I'd say that's a very new thing this year.
2: How much damage did the uh, 2008 uh, correction um, due to the psyche or the risk tolerance of investors, and how lasting <laughs> is that damage? Yeah,
4: I, I think to, to people who were uh, – Looking at their portfolios and managing their own portfolios or working with financial advisors where that individual felt really engaged, I think it was enormously damaging and, and traumatic. And I think just now we are seeing more people become a little less traumatized and fearful. Um, you know, on the other side of it, the, the good news, if there is any, is, is for people who are in 401K plans specifically who used – or were put into some of the more automated features, we actually saw very little damage to them um, because they said, well, I know I'm on this program, I'm not gonna worry about it, I'm not gonna fuss with it, and I'm not gonna intervene. So when we compare the rates of return for individuals who were in some of these automatically managed, you know, target date funds Mm -hmm. or balanced accounts or managed accounts versus individuals who were trying to manage their own portfolios, average returns were higher, but Speaking of not everyone's average, more than that, the distribution of outcomes was much narrower right. and higher on the downside. So, again, if you don't sell, you can ride through those market environments. Well, and no, the I know all these people selling. Yeah. Right. We all know this,
2: but but I'm, I guess my wonder is what was the psychological change, if any, lasting one from investors who lost money or saw the money decline, and were they less risk tolerant going forward?
4: Well, I think the, the anecdotal evidence is that there's more cash on the sidelines than we all think is appropriate when we look at, you know, balance sheets of companies or consumers, which would indicate a lot of scarring. Um, you know, we hear anecdotally that millennials are more distrustful of the markets and less likely to be putting money to work. Now, that being said, they're also getting auto enrolled and automatically invested through their workplace. So they're actually probably better set up and maybe their parents were at the same point. So you, you, I can argue that one both ways. I'm not, I'm not sure we have enough data yet.
3: It's interesting you say the money on the sidelines, Anne. I am curious about that because we do sometimes hear from people who say, hey, wait, this market has a lot more momentum, at least on the equity side of things and, and other asset classes because there is so much money still kind of sitting out
4: there. Do you guys see that? You know, I don't work with individual investors yeah. the same way that, that some of my colleagues do, but, but that is certainly what you see at the, at the big data level, right? When you look yeah. at sort of aggregate money levels and yeah. hear stories and, I mean, just, you know, <laughs> as a personal investor, I sat on some money for about four months this, this year and I finally just said, I'm gonna, do what it. am I doing? You know, <laughs> so I think, you know, we're all vulnerable to that sometimes. But okay.
3: We have about a minute and a half left here. I want to ask you, you know, what can someone do to ensure that they do have kind of a, a successful or better chance of a
4: successful retirement? And I know that each scenario, as you said, yep. <laughs> no one is average. But the, the most important thing you can do is to save more. And, again, you're buying future leisure. You are buying breathing room. You are buying optionality. But the second most important thing people should really focus on is the importance of when you start taking Social Security. And that's true for people at all income levels. The longer you wait to take Social Security, all the way up to age 70 the more you get for life and so the power of that higher payout pays you back really quickly so so the, the the most tragic mistake we see people make is taking social security at 62 that negatively impacts their entire future income stream so, so even pushing it to something like 65 65 66 now with the, the normal yeah, that normal age is creeping up yeah. uh, uh but but 70 would be even better but even getting up to 65 and a half or 66 would be a big step all right. Good to know. Thank you so much. You're um, welcome.
3: Uh, I feel like Corey. I don't want to cut you off. Did you have anything no, else go you wanted to add? No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's just
2: no. It's, I, I, just again, quickly. I think that notion of not being average, getting right back to what we talked to the last block, is so so crucial here that yeah. maybe maybe uh, the the necessity of planning to have a little bit left in the tank might be the, the most prudent uh, thing. But that's, as you mentioned, hard to do. It's hard to say no to that uh, marshmallow in front of you
4: not not having a little more left in the tank and, and thinking about it and maybe getting some help, right? I mean, we think yeah. there's a big role for, for a financial planner or a professional who can help you think through these issues um, and just lay them out without emotions is, is a hugely important thing. Ann Lester, thank you so much. Head of Retirement Solutions at J.P. Morgan Asset Management joining us uh, right here on Bloomberg
3: Radio.
2: This is the world the national news headlines with Bloomberg News Anchor Adrian Mitchell on 99.1 Studios in Washington, D.C.
5: Corey and Carol, it is the most significant setback yet in the legal battle over the president's travel ban. A federal appeals court in Richmond, Virginia, has refused to lift a block on his attempt to ban travel from six mostly Muslim nations, saying the order is steeped in animus. The ruling comes as the president attends a NATO meeting in Brussels and calls on members to spend more on defense. A British official confirms Britain's prime minister spoke with the president about leaks in the Manchester bombing investigation. Treasury Secretary Mnuchin has been talking about tax reform on Capitol Hill, but one big issue, how to keep tax cuts from ballooning the deficit, remains, as Bloomberg's Nancy Lyons reports.
4: There are promises that a tax code overhaul will result in a big tax cut, and officials working on the budget say it would be deficit neutral.
0: The tax cuts would be paid through a combination of broadening of the tax base, getting rid of special interest loopholes, and economic
4: growth. Bloomberg BNA's Kaustu Basu says it's still uncertain what the business tax rate would be and whether the proposal would include a border tax. We'll have to
0: see when the details of the Trump tax plan come out, possibly in June.
5: Nancy Lyons, Bloomberg 991 and 105.7 HD2. And despite a history of do-over-dones, Hollywood is considering a remake of Top Gun. The star of the original one, Tom Cruise, says it's definitely happening. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,600 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Adrienne Mitchell.